Is intelligence victimized by home, wealth, relatives, and so forth? Runs from one place to another in search of success. Sometimes his eyes are covered by the dust of a whirlwind. That is to say, in his lust he is captivated by the beauty of his wife, especially during her menstrual period. Thus his eyes are blinded and he cannot see where to go and what he is doing. Purport by Srila Prabhupada It is said that household attraction resides in the wife because sex is the center of household life. No. A materialistic person making his wife the center of attraction works very hard day and night. His only enjoyment in material life is sexual intercourse. Therefore, karmis are attracted by women as friends or wives. Indeed, they cannot work without sex. Under the circumstances, a wife is compared to a whirlwind, especially during her menstrual period. Those who strictly follow the rules and regulations of household or life engage in sex only once a month at the end of the menstrual period. As one looks forward to this opportunity, his eyes are overwhelmed by the beauty of his wife. Thus it is said that the whirlwind covers the eyes with dust. Such a lusty person does not know that all his material activities are being observed by different demigods, especially the sun god, and are being recorded for the karma of one's next body. Astrological calculations are called Jyoti Shastra because the Jyoti or effulgence in the material world comes from the different stars and planets. The science is called Jyoti Shastra, the science of the luminaries. By calculations of Jyoti, our future is indicated. In other words, all the luminaries, the stars, the sun, the moon, witness the activities of the conditioned soul. Thus he is awarded a particular type of body. A lusty person whose eyes are covered by the dust of the whirlwind of material existence does not at all consider that his activities are being observed by different stars and planets and are being recorded. Not knowing this, the conditioned soul commits all kinds of sinful activities for the satisfaction of his lusty desires. So, oh, I'm sorry, I I forgot the Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Um, could I please ask everyone to mute? I hear conversations, I hear people coughing. Please mute because it's it's a disturbance. If that's okay. Thank you. Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prasaya Bhutale Srimati Bhaktivedanta Swamaniti Namani. Namaste Saraswati Devi Gaurabhani Vacharine Nivishesha Sunivari Vachatu Deshatarine. Om Agana Timirandasya Gananjana Salakaya. Chaksur Militamyena Tasmai Sri Gurave Namaha. We're born in the darkness of ignorance, but our kind spiritual masters opening our eyes with their compassionate torchlight of knowledge. So we offer our respectful obeisances unto the lotus feet of such spiritual masters. So, this verse is very direct. It's talking about the poor living entity who is totally immersed in excuse me, in materialism. His whole life is spent simply running hither and thither looking for a way to satisfy material desires. He's victimized, it says, by home, by wealth, by relatives. And he's looking for success in his life. And his main attraction is sex life, which is dragging him 
like a, a bull with a ring in the nose dragging him trying to find the satisfaction that he's looking for and those living entities that are not educated in the higher sciences of life <clears throat> or who spend very little or no time trying to understand their scriptures no matter which scriptures they're following because the same message is always there then those living entities don't understand that everything they do is being recorded and it it makes for their next destination or the even the next years activities come into play due to one's activities but what to speak of one's next life their future which way they're going at the time of death which of course they don't know when that's going to happen so it's compared to being in a world when blinded by dust so the unfortunate circumstance when we look outside our Krishna conscious activities when we wander into the material realm where things are going on in this world we see the, the poor condition of the living entities they're struggling they're tr first of all they have no idea what their direction should be so they don't really know what they're looking for for their happiness and because of the the unethical activities of uncivilized materialistic men um, they can be politicians businessmen with worldwide businesses they're misled uh, through advertisements through movies through propaganda through politics they're misled into thinking that somehow or other what they're looking for is here and if they just work harder if they just accumulate more if they just have more sense gratification that they're going to find what they're looking for so they're committing so many unfortunate and sinful activities trying to pursue what they're being told is the goal of their life right this is this is the terrible condition the terrible Kali Yuga that we're living in and it doesn't take much to see the result of this type of leadership we see the well now we have a war innocent people who are totally innocent in this situation their homes are gone their loved ones may be gone their health their own health may be gone their simple way of life just accumulating money to eat and live and put their kids through school is gone because of some foolish materially motivated personalities within a within a moment right and so many things happen just within a moment a flash flood a fire a big fire my mom was telling me the other day about the the earthquake that hit San Francisco years ago and with the earthquake that was a lot of damage but there was a fire that broke out which within hours took the whole city so so she was telling me because my my grandmother never um, knew the time actually never knew the time of her birth and it was because the uh, records were all lost in the fire so people are living in the illusion that oh if I just work harder and I get that money or get that girl or marry this person or get this house that I'm going to be happy and I'm going to be successful and then all of a sudden some calamity hits and it's like well wait a minute that wasn't supposed to be in the picture but it is and they don't know right and so who 
Who's coming to save the day? Lord Chaitanya. Lord Chaitanya appeared out of his kindness, his compassion, not to kill the sinful living entities and punish them, but to uplift them and give them a reason to go on besides all this false propaganda by the materialistic persons. Lord Chaitanya has come with such kindness and so much fun, so much fun and so much so many wonderful things to do to change the heart of the living entities. And who's his representative? Srila Prabhupada's crossed the ocean with this message and he's put it out in the most simple way. Up at the palace we have this picture of Srila Prabhupada. And he's sitting in Tompkins Square Park. Here's a gentleman from an aristocratic family who's like a swan-like person, so educated, so cultured, and he's sitting in Tompkins Square Park in the middle of all these drugged-out, dirty hippies chanting on a bongo drum the Hare Krishna mantra with such patience. <laughs> I mean, our qualities are such that we we have very little patience for many things. Can you imagine being of Prabhupada's disposition and character and then dealing with these such low-life living entities? You know, most of us would have packed our bag and gone back. Okay, well, I tried. You know, but Prabhupada had such ability and he was so empowered. Such a rare person. The commander-in-chief able to come and sit in the war of Maya with such grace and preach to these fallen, misled living entities. And not only preach to them, but from that build a movement that spread all over the world and grown like this beautiful lotus in this dire Kali Yuga to give shelter to so many hundreds and thousands of living entities and still going strong. So somehow or other, Krishna's thrown us a life vest, right? Prabhupada's come and some other living entity who is trying to serve has passed out this mercy to us somehow or other through a book, through a temple, through chanting, through a friend. Who knows how we've come in contact with Krishna consciousness. But we've been given this life vest. And so, so we're floating around with some direction, with some understanding about life and who we are and what our goal is and what the, what the end result can be. And we're running, trying to, trying to get there. And most of us were not too qualified when we started. Right? And here in this, in this verse, this idea of lust, what does Krishna say in the Bhagavad Gita? The Blessed Lord said it is lust only Arjuna which is born of the contact with the material modes of passion and later transformed into wrath and which is the all-devouring sinful enemy of the world. You tell this to a common person on the street and they'll laugh in your face. What do you mean? That's, that's what it's all about. You know, you got to have all this sex and you got to dress to have sex and you have to propagate all this music that brings you to the point of passion and that's what it's all about. But that's not what Krishna is saying. He's explaining, you know, from this, this happens. From that, this happens. You know, if people could just hear this at the right time, most likely they agree with you. It's like, oh yeah, you're right. I mean, when I was young, a movie, something like uh, the big movies, Gone with the Wind, The Sound of Music, they were 
much more in the mode of goodness than what we see nowadays. You never, maybe you saw someone kiss a little bit, but never more than that. It was implied, maybe, that they did something and then they had a baby or whatever. But it certainly wasn't in your face. And violence. Maybe you would see someone shoot a gun and then someone, oh, fall down on the ground. But now it's like, I mean, I can't watch a movie that's like that. But from what I gather, you know, you see that guy's head blown off and the blood and the, it's like, what are they thinking? So this, this lust is just devouring the world and it's rapidly moving forward. And so we are the soldiers in Lord Chaitanya's army. We are the people who he's been given this mission to. And it's our good fortune. Indra Swami is always, that's one of his things that he always says, sharing our good fortune with others. And if you read, like his Rita's diary, there's so many miracles that happen. So many miracles that happen when we're connected with the Supreme Lord and the pure devotees. Look at who the people are we're connected with. These are not ordinary people. You know, who do you find nowadays that's gracious and cultured and patient and knowledgeable and pure? You know, at the temple you'll find them. But other than that, where do you find those kind of people? But then you see the lives of these great, incredible souls, Prabhupada included, of course. And even our present-day gurus. Look at them, my God. They're like touchstones. They just radiate purity and compassion. I mean, sure, people are going to fall down. Sure, we're going to see the casualties. But guaranteed, those living entities that start and then fall to the wayside or make mistakes, terrible mistakes that shouldn't be made. They're glorious living entities and they will rise again. You know, due to circumstances or offenses, something has made them trip and fall. But we have to be careful because we are also those fallible soldiers. We can trip and fall very easily at any time. So like they say, you point one finger at someone and three are pointing back at you. We have to be careful and compassionate when someone falls down. Not critical. Not like they say, off with their head. They're bad. They've stolen something or they've lied at the temple or they've, you know, whatever they can do. Fallen down and had illicit sex. I mean, it happens, and it's just the way it is. So we have, to, we have to understand that everyone has this past. We've lived in these modes of nature for so long, and some had much more drastic lives before they became Krishna conscious with drugs and illicit sex and meat eating. <clears throat> I mean, how Prabhupada was able to infuse such living entities and put them on this path and then carry them throughout their life. Of course, they have to also, they have to chant. They have to follow the principles. It's not that it's just like a magic wand and poof, they're pure devotee. These living entities are endeavoring also to follow what the instruction and what's been asked of them. But when someone falls down, we need to be careful not to make them go away, make them feel so bad they go away. 
so Prabhupada was talking, he was giving a class, and he was talking about lust, and he said, lust, different degrees of lust. Those who are in the mode of goodness, their lust is of a different quality. Those who are in passion, their lust is a different quality. And those who are in ignorance, their lust is different. Okay, so what, what has Prabhupada done? He's given us a place to start to develop the mode of goodness. Right? Um, the way the cultureless society is running all over the world. Lots of passion. Lots of ignorance. All the intoxication and the, just the way of life. You know, get up at noon or whatever. Stay up all night and party. It's just scary actually but he's given us a path okay no you get up early you chant Hare Krishna 16 rounds a day is it because Prabhupada needs us to chant is it because Krishna needs us to chant no our our hearts and our way is so contaminated that we need to chant we need to purify our heart and our life and of course there's different Processes of devotional service, hearing, chanting, remembering, worshiping, serving. So, I mean, Prabhupada does say in the purport, uh, I believe it's nectar of devotion, even if one follows only one of these things. So, we take Krishna consciousness in our own ability. We do as much to follow and to have the right attitude. It's not a mechanical process. Our heart and our desire for service and love needs to be in the picture. It's not, okay, I chanted my 16 rounds, and Sruti Kirti would say, and Prabhupada would say, and now I can do any damn thing. Well, you know, it's not like that. It has to be done with, with purpose, with the right purpose. So we get to the mode of goodness and we raise ourselves to a transcendental platform through our activities. So who knows how much progress we'll make in this life. It doesn't really matter. We're on the path. We're in the boat crossing the ocean of, of materialism and maya. Even if we only can be in the association of these great souls and hear from them and and be part. I mean, that in itself is just glorious and, and such a relief for us. We're so fortunate. So in the Bhagavad Gita, there's another explanation about lust, comma, Lust, lust for sex life, comma, or any sense gratification, if it is not against religious principles, then Krishna says, I am that comma. I am that lust. Okay, so our, our nature is that we're pushed along by different modes of nature. And lust... Is you know there's different kinds of passionate lust, but it's lust. It's not love. We're kind of motivated. Our 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 fuel is some type of lust generally. But Krishna is telling us that lust that isn't against religious principles. That's Krishna. So lust in itself isn't all bad, but if it's in the wrong place, if we're using it against religious principles, then it's sinful. But if it's used for Krishna to produce a child, there's got to be lust, right? It's the name of the game. It's the way the bodies work. The machines work like that. I mean, maybe in a previous ages, someone could get a child from the ear or in a basket or from a lump of flesh, 
But that's not really our ability nowadays. So that mode of passion that's going to produce a wonderful Krishna conscious living entity, look at the great children and grandchildren in our movement. Look at the, what they do. Look at, look at how far they've pushed this movement forward. It's, it's amazing. It's wonderful. And personally, I, I, my hat off to all of these children. Okay, if they, if they chant kirtan, not this way or not that way, for me that's pretty irrelevant. You know, if they hear the right thing, they will change, like we did. Change and do it this way, dress this way, dress that way. They'll learn through their own experience. Okay. They certainly are better off than most of us old Prabhupada disciples when we started. So it's easy to respect them. But, you know, having these beautiful children, this is a service. And taking care of them is not a small thing. I know years ago it was propagated, you know, it's Maya to take care of your children. You have to be doing service at the temple. But Prabhupada didn't say that. Many places he told people that the child was their service. But, you know, some people didn't see it that way. Anyway, those are past things. Okay, another lecture Prabhupada was saying about lust. That is not love. That is lust. Love is only possible with Krishna. Nowhere else. That is lust. So love and lust. Love is yoga maya and lust is mahamaya. So we use the term love. Oh, I love you. I love this person. I love my children. I love my grandchildren. I love my mother. We use the word, but then we hear from authority. And it's not to put us down or make us feel shameful or stupid. It's just to give us that higher understanding, that actual love that we will be able to experience at some point. That is for Krishna. And all these other feelings that we call love is on some level lust. But that should inspire us to know that these wonderful feelings that we feel for other living entities and that is not the highest. And it's, it's more material then spiritual and love for Krishna brings us into another realm that opens a whole other door of beautiful feelings and understandings and it's kind of exciting actually. So Prabhupada goes on to say lust and love. What is the difference between lust and love? And he says, in the material world, there is no love. And uh, when the, the hippie devotees, whose kind of phrase was love and peace, brother, you know, was all, they, they didn't know. But uh, Prabhupada came forward, and because of who he was and where he was situated, because he had that love, because he was emanating a whole different realm of life. He was able to say something like that. He goes on to say, because everyone is directed by lust. The so-called love is trying to love a young girl or a young girl is trying to love a young man. But the background is lust. So he's explaining. And when Prabhupada spoke, there was no derogatory um, feeling put forth. It wasn't like you felt like, oh, he's putting me down. He's finding my faults. It was like, oh, wow, yeah, that makes sense. You know, it was so uplifting. Probably I had the ability to uplift someone while mildly criticizing their lifestyle. He was able to lift them up to another place where they could understand that it, that it wasn't a criticism. It was 
something they should know so that they could move forward in life and be happy. Because he was such a well-wisher. And in Adi Lila, therefore lust and love are quite different. Lust is like dense darkness, but love is like the bright sunshine. I mean, isn't that encouraging? You know, we're miserable, and we're saying to so many personalities and so many material objects, oh, I love you, I love this, I love that. But isn't it encouraging to know that that's not really love and that love is attainable? Lord Chaitanya, like patience personified, he comes into this world, he brings his associates from the spiritual world. They come in the form of the different Goswamis and different teachers and their teachings are just so beautiful. Their words, Rupa Goswami's words, their books, many of them uh, which we are not qualified to read. But uh, they're, they're lighting a fire under us to, to make us go forward and run after what they're offering. If we didn't have that, what would we have? And the world of these people that are just engulfed in this by these materially motivated mudhas that are keeping them in the mode of ignorance and passion and lust. You know, we're coming along with this bright mercy and they're taking it. You know, our festivals, being on the street, just preaching, sharing, now, there's so many opportunities or we can make up an opportunity. You know, all these things did not come because Prabhupada told us to uh, go to the airport or to set up a book table. Prabhupada walked around himself with his magazines into tea stalls and different places in parks. And he was successful to a certain certain amount. But then when he came to the West, he lit a fire under these conditioned souls and gave them a mission. And with their intelligence and their abilities, they thought of so many different ways to share this. Like the palace. I mean, we had so many people this weekend more than I've seen in a long time. I mean, we always get a lot of people, but it seemed to me that we really had... The people were parked all all the way up the road to the cabin, up the brick road to the palace. And, and what is their draw? Their draw, a lot of it is the palace, the beautiful grounds of New Vrindavan with Gornitai and... You know, the, the festival mood, the restaurant. Now, somebody thought of this. Prabhupada gave certain instructions. And most of it, well, not most of it, but a lot of it was based on self-sufficiency, which we are not. We're working on it. But, you know, he wanted New Vrindavan to be successful in a place of pilgrimage. So different people have thought of different ways to do this. You know, the Sankirtan devotees from the past. I was sitting, one of our old devotees is um, moving down to Florida. He's not healthy. He's going with his children. And then a couple of the other devotees, uh, one of our self-sufficient kind of guys, uh, Tapapunjmar, and uh, Nityodita, who's a wonderful preacher, who thinks of all kinds of ways to connect with people. They were in the room, and I went in and brought him a garland from the deities because I dressed last night. And uh, they were talking about their old days on Sankirtan. Just so many funny stories, things they did, and how they did it, and how, you know, just how things were moved along. 
you know. So there's so there's so many more ways to be discovered for devotees to push on Krishna consciousness. We just have to use our intelligence and uh, what is that? Imagination and ingenuity and like Sadhu Sangha, which just finished this weekend. Okay, whose idea was that? Indra Swami's? Whose idea was the Polish tour? You know, I, it, it's not all just the leader. There's a lot of devotees in the mix that do all kinds of things. Uh, there's a, Surely there's a leader, but they're not like the one coming up with all the ideas and helping and making all the phone calls and doing all the footwork. They're the inspiration, perhaps, and have, of course, many ideas that it, things may even be their idea. But often there's so many other devotees that are part of the picture. And so we're, we're those devotees. So we might have ideas that will bring something uh, to another level or, or come up with something. One of the girls here, Kamalavati, she somehow or other thought of the, the book table in the temple that had all the books with a um, donation box so that you could buy a book just by putting, seeing what the price was and putting it in the box. You, in other words, you didn't need a person. And she passed the idea on to, I, I believe it was Vaisheshika, and now it's like all over the place. It was just her simple idea, but it worked. Anyway, we're, we're very fortunate. We're not drowning in ignorance and lust. We're given an opportunity to do the best we can and uh, to learn to be the servant of the servant of the servant. And in that way, we're in a good position. I mean, after all, Lord Chaitanya, his shikshastika prayers are so simple and so direct to be more humble than a blade of grass, expecting no, no recognition for yourself, be ready to offer all respects to others. You know, all of these things that are just very simple. But that's the base of the whole thing. That's our direction. That's, that's what we're aspiring for. And we need to uh, really embrace that humility as deeply as we can and learn what humility is. I was listening to uh, one of Indra Swami's lectures about Sanatana Goswami. Now here's, here's a, someone descended from the spiritual world directly serving the mission of Lord Chaitanya in a top position. And he was living in Vrindavan. But the people, they had such a familiar relationship with him. He was going on and Indra Swami was saying that Sanat Goswami was just like one of the villagers. He just spent time with the people. I mean, of course he wrote and he established temples and he did excavated the holy places. Of course he did all that. But as a person, he, was, he would sit for hours and talk with the villagers about their family and their business and you know, he didn't have his nose up in the air walking around. Oh, I'm a devotee. I'm serving Lord Chaitanya. And Prabhupada himself, what did he wait in line to use the bathroom with the, these young hippie? He cooked for them. He cleaned for them. He was giving them Krishna consciousness by his own example and by the things that he did. And we see that, that Sanat Goswami was the same way. He was telling us, or he was saying in the lecture, that when the, the people of the village saw Sanat Goswami, they didn't offer their obeisances. They embraced him. 
you know what a what a difference you know it's not that because you become an advanced devotee you're up on this high seat and everyone's bowing down to you and you are saving everybody it's I mean that may be there but it's not necessarily the whole thing and then when Rupa Goswami got Govindaji he made him a, a temple out of like leaves and mud and straw and then when the I can't remember Jai Singh I can't remember who it was that actually built the Govindaji temple he was some kind of a military uh, Hindu who was working with the Muslim ruler at the time they were very good friends so he came and proposed to Rupa Goswami that if I'm successful in this battle I'm going to build Govinda a very big temple and what did what did Rupa Goswami say did he say oh yes and then I can sit in this big temple and be a famous person he said no that's okay Govinda Ji likes the nature you know it's not all about having you know building big temples and having so many followers and sitting in high seats it's really not neither did these Goswamis do that but at the same time Prabhupada did build big temples he did because why because we're first of all we're not in a village we're on in the world and the world is running around like a chicken without its head just suffering like a dog and not knowing which way is up but their desires for travel and seeing beautiful places and having fun and going places and eating good food this is a given this is all over the world everybody wants to travel and go see this and go see that and see this history and you know have this fun music and so knowing that people like Prabhupada Bhakti Siddhanta Maharaj okay we build we build these big gorgeous temples because people need a place to go it's not like they're in a village and there's a pure devotee sitting there with a deity in a thatched hut and that is how this person convinced Rupa Goswami to let him build the Govindaji temple in Vrindavan he just said if I'm able to build this so many more people will come and get the association of Govindaji and be inspired so that's how that came about so we, our, our path is is pretty open we can do simple things or we can do big things if we're able it's not that we're not a success if we can't do big things I personally find that helping devotees on a personal level like one of my god sisters her computer crashed her husband passed away she's a very dependent person she doesn't drive she lives down the road so you know her computer crashed her phone stopped working because of the 5g um, all she had is this little kind of tablet that she didn't really know how to use so what so what's more important for me instead of going to the temple and making extra bases or you know doing something I I decided I got her a computer someone gave me a good computer I helped her get a new phone company that had reception in her home so when the electricity goes off or whatever she doesn't feel afraid or stranded and then I, I connected her tablet and the whole thing took me so many hours because of certain circumstances okay so that's my choice that's my way because I've heard that Lord Chaitanya did that type of thing he washed devotees clothes he did their dishes 
you know, there's stories of Lord Chaitanya doing very menial tasks for devotees. So there's, we have a lot, a lot of space here. We can do things th this way or we can do things that way. So there's really no limit to our facility for mm. service. Right? Okay, well I see it is 8.19 and so I'm going to stop here. If anyone has any questions or corrections or comments, please. Please go ahead. Did everyone fall asleep? Well, there's only, I think, four of us here, so. Oh, no, there's a few more. Seven. Yes, Mataji. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mataji, for this wonderful class. And sorry I couldn't uh, text you yesterday before. It's a lot of uh, busy scheduling temper. <laughs> Thank well, well, you. Well, sorry me, about that, but thank you. For me, it's a help it because so I don't always remember that I'm supposed to give class. So when I get the message mm -hmm. of the verse, then I remember, okay, because I don't always look at my calendar. So it's just a help for me. <laughs> thank you, though. <laughs> I know, know you Thank you, Mataji. Thank you. For sharing about... Um, Nivrindavan, yes, long weekend. And Mataji was explaining about the Nitya Prabhu, and you all were remembering the funny um, pastimes of Sankirtan so in old days. So, would you like to share some of them? It would be great. You know, I was trying to think of one of them. They were, you know, they were just talking and laughing. And um, let's see if I can remember any of them. You know, they would. They would go into malls and, uh, what would happen? oh, I know, one of the stories, um, this one devotee, they were collecting. So one devotee went inside the mall and was collecting and the other one was outside collecting. And then the one that was inside happened to look outside and he saw the one that was outside um, getting pushed around by some men. And uh, so he, he ran out to try and help him. And uh, it was an album. They were doing, they had record albums. You know, the hard disc record albums that might be before your time. And it was Mangalananda's album. So they, they, he had sold this um, to a man, and the man came back and wanted his money back. And uh, the, the devotee said, well, he said, um, I can take your information and send you a check. And that made the guy really mad. So he started pushing him around and um, it became a problem. And then someone called the police and they all got arrested and they had to go to court. And the man who, who was angry, who wanted his money back, he said, he told the judge, he said, yeah, he sold me this album and I didn't want it after I bought it and I came back to get my money back and he was just going to cheat me and and uh, he said he'd just give me, send me a check and I didn't believe him. So these two, two devotees, the one that went inside and the one that was outside, they were brothers. Not only were they brothers, they were actually twins. So the one devotee who had been inside, who was helping the, the one that was outside getting beat up, he said to the judge, he asked the man, he said, you say that I sold you the album. He said, are you sure it wasn't him that sold you the album? 
And then, then they realized that they were twins. Um, and the man, he said, well, no, I, I don't know which one of you I, I, I bought the album from. And so the one said, well, because you don't really know who you bought the album from, I had told you that we would talk about it and we would send you the money by a check. Because I don't know if I sold you the album or I don't know if he sold you the album. So we wanted to get the money from the place where it had been given and we would send it to you. So the judge, realizing that the man who was angry didn't really know who he had bought it from and that it was quite reasonable to send him a check once we figured out where the money, who had the money. So he threw the case out. Um, the reality is they probably would not have sent the money back by check. But that's another thing. Uh, there's all kinds of stories from Sankirtan devotees. Because they used to do things not so much by the book. A lot of those old Sankirtan devotees, not like like by Sheshika and that group now. You know, these were young people off the street who didn't mind scamming for Krishna. So there's a lot of stories. Uh, and these particular three devotees, you know, came around in the early 70s. So they were ripe off the street. And who knows what they had been doing, scamming people or... Or just, you know, there's a lot of funny Sankirtan stories. Anyway, it was nice. It was fun to be with them. I can't remember the other some of the other stories. But I, I was laughing the whole time. Yes, Martha. Yeah. It was so funny. So thank you for sharing it. So if anybody has any question, please go ahead and ask Martha. Hare Krishna. Okay, well, either no one has questions or everyone is sleeping. <laughs> All right, well, I think we have so much good fortune. Yes. I had a question, Mataji. Yes, please. Can I ask you? Yeah. Mataji, you give very nectar in class, <laughs> and I'm so pleased to hear you. This Bhagavad Katha from your mouth early this morning. As a devotee of uh, Krishna Conscious, if somebody asked Americans, that um, what is the your advice to the teenager or young people what's going on in the United States, all this shooting and killing and abortions and all that. So how what answer you will give as a Krishna conscious person? Well, are you saying the children are concerned or the parents are concerned? No, children. Why the children are doing such a bad, unusual things which are unimaginable. Nobody can think even why this, this has been going on in the United States from, you know, A to Z. Everything is falling. They're all unfallen people. They, they, they look at any aspect of the social life. There is no morale. There is no culture. There is no respect for parents, neighbor, people, they, teenagers, particularly for teenagers. Like yeah. 18 to 20, you know, and if they are doing like this, uh, where the country will go? And the leader is not uh, in a position to control or guide them. Uh, the preachers in the church, they are there, but I don't know what kind of preaching they do. Hold on one second. Hello? Yes? Sure. Mahati, I'll have to call you back. I'm giving the class right now. You no problem, not your fault. Um, well, I think a lot of it is on the parents. You know, a lot of the parents are not good examples. Um, they are neglectful parents. They are not taking proper care. They're not teaching the children. 
their um, debauchees themselves. A lot of children are raised with uh, one parent or between two different parents. You know, they're going back and forth. If the, te if the parents aren't good examples and aren't teaching the children properly, they're just leaving them to the uh, movies and the, you know, computer games and it's a frustrating it's a frustrating age you know if they if they aren't satisfied if they themselves are hopeless they don't see anything to live for and there's uh, a lot of bullying going on you're talking about conditioned souls that have no idea that they're not this body that someone who's black or who's white or who's Chinese or who's you know Muslim or this or that they, they don't have respect for them because maybe the parents don't have respect for them you know they've never learned that all living entities are equal they're you know they and and the parents a lot of them are not spiritually inclined the churches are empty we, we see with Christmas you know, they're, they'll start advertising Christmas four months before Christmas. And what is it about? It's about some made-up Santa Claus guy. St. Nicholas was a real person. He was a saint. He was a Christian saint. But is that what they're teaching? Is that what they're teaching the children? And, and uh, you know, so what are the children? They have no base. They have no depth. They have no direction. So how can they help but be totally frustrated? And they have no goal of life. So they have no value to life for themselves or for others. And they're angry. They've been cheated. You know, they have nothing to look forward to. It's just... That's that's why it's so important for us to propagate Christian consciousness and have programs so that young people will find Krishna consciousness. You know, with parades and festivals and you know, like like Indra Swami, he does the Woodstock festival in in Poland. It's like one of the biggest events in, uh, for that type of thing in the world. It was like 400,000 youth that go. And many of them go, go to the, it's called the Village of Peace, I believe, Indra Swami's camp. And they, they can sit like 100,000 young people. And some of the young people, they, they're, you know, they're chanting Hare Krishna. They're getting books. They're understanding. This is things that will change their life or at least give them direction as to what's right and what's wrong and why the world is so topsy-turvy. I know it's very frustrating. Very sad. Not only that, because, uh, because we have to raise our grandchildren in this society, you know, and... Uh, so as the grandparents, uh, we get frustrated because uh, in the United States right now, 70% uh, uh, are the single parents and they raise the children. Yep. And so, you know, it's a sad situation. But now we are here uh, as an Indian and we believe uh, we follow Krishna conscious pathway and we teach our children and they grow in our house in that environment but still they have to mix in the society for when they get uh, adult and then when they have to work they have to mix with these people yes but if they have a strong base of understanding they do so much yeah, that's true. and many devotees have homeschooled their kids yeah. many people homeschool their kids because they don't want them in these schools 
you know. Okay. Yes. Thank you, Mataji. I appreciate that. Okay. All right. So I guess we're finished for the morning. Thank you so much. And I hope you have a wonderful and transcendental day. Yes, Mataji. Thank you so much for your wonderful class and association. Okay, you're breaking up terribly. I can't understand what you're saying. But yeah, probably we cannot hear you. Yeah, I, I was saying, uh, Mataji, uh, thank you for Mataji for your kind of you asking. Uh, um, my uh, consciousness with Krishna uh, consciousness and uh, the answers are so nice. Uh, like the current situation, kind of affairs uh, the school to be. Okay, I'm sorry. You still, you're still just breaking up. I can't understand. But it sounded like you were saying thank you. So I thank you for um, participating. All right, it's time for me to go. Yeah. Thank you, Mataji, for your time.